0: Welcome back to another Shifting Schools episode. I hope you are enjoying these replay episodes as we end the year 2022 that Trisha and I decided to go back and look at what were some of our favorite conversations we had in the past year. Hopefully you caught Trisha's replay last week and I wanted to have a shout out, man, it was so tough. We've had such some great conversations this last year with people all over the world And it was really hard for me to narrow down, you know, what are some uh, of the conversations that have really impacted me or or things that um, have just got me thinking, and and I've just loved having the conversation around. But I did finally narrow it down to episode 221, which was released on August 1st of this year, where I was able to talk with Denise. And Denise is now a retired teacher, but she worked in the Port Townsend School District. And... um, she helped to create the Sahelish Coast Elementary Children's Film Festival. And this conversation meant so much to me. Uh, I've worked with Port Townsend School District in the past um, to know that this is happening in my own backyard. And I think more than that, it's a great crossover of library and STEM and how we have students coming together to create real artifacts to share with the world. Um, I'll make sure that in the show notes to this, there's also the link to the Google site where you can see all of the students' film festivals, how Denise brought in kids from kindergarten through fifth grade, included the entire elementary school in this. And I think it's just a, you know, anytime we get to talk with educators on what is actually happening with kids, it just, it fuels my passion for why we do this, uh, why we're educators in the first place. It was such a great conversation that I wanted to bring it back up now, if you have not heard this one, uh, please uh, enjoy it. If you have heard this one, I hope you enjoy it again. And as we get ready for a new year here, that this maybe motivates you to try and think about how do we start leveraging some of this in our classroom? So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this replay of... Episode 221, released on August 1st of 2022 with Denise from the Sahelish Coastal Elementary Children's Film Festival. And with that, on with the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. I'm so excited. I love it when teachers reach out to us and they're like, oh, do I have a project to share? And Denise, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, today. That's exactly what happened. Uh, She reached out and said, Hey, I've got to tell you about this project. My kids did so pumped about the project. Uh, I'm pumped that I was able to be a small, small, small part of it in some way. And uh, I'm excited to get this out in front of more educators to just see what we can do with kids. So welcome to the podcast. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your teaching career.
1: Well, thank you for the invitation. Yeah, my name is Denise Aiden, and I'm the Library STEM Specialist at Salish Coast Elementary. And for 36 years, I have been a teacher. And most of my career, um, for 30 of those years, I was a math and science teacher. And I worked in the Bay Area, and I was a part of technology rollouts and things. And I retired to a little beautiful uh Victorian Seaport, Port Townsend, and the local school district needed some help with some positions. And someone said, well, why don't you do this? And that was like seven years ago. (laughs) So I just really loved what I did. And this year was my last year of of formal teaching. And I, I am retiring, but I had an amazing project that I just wanted to share and how that will live on in our school district.
0: Awesome. So let's let's talk about this project, and we're going to have a link. One of the things that I love, love, love about this project is that it is public; uh, that people can go and see the stuff that your students created. Which to me is one of the hardest things. You know, there's so many so many privacy things that we worry about. But when you make stuff public, and we'll talk about this, you know, what is the motivation for kids and stuff? Well, let's get into this. The project is the 2022 SC Film Festival. How did this come to be? How did this idea? come to you, Denise?
1: Well, I went to the NCCE conference in 2017, and I got to see you do a project on visual literacy, which really opened my eyes to how we could present information and how best to share it. And then right afterwards, I got to see this amazing librarian, Todd Burleson, who was talking about a children's film festival you put together. And I had been asked to consider helping to build a library STEM program from the ground up. And I thought, wow, wouldn't this be amazing if we could have a convergence of storytelling and digital storytelling? Mm -hmm. And that's really where it started. And then how it got to be this particular film festival was our community partners were amazing. We had some granting agencies that believed in us and gave us the funding right away to be able to start. And then schools shut down. But our kids prior to that had been able to learn how to do the techniques of stop motion animation and how to use WeVideo as a video editor. And they just kept working on it, even awesome. though we were we were shut down. And so wow. we kind of had a mini film festival where fifth graders presented at a, a climate summit. And they did it all on their own after the lessons that they'd had in the library. And they were able to pull it off, even though everybody was remote.
2: Wow. And I
1: thought... to myself when we are all able to be back together what is it that we want to accomplish with this film festival because the kids vision really opened my eyes to the possibility and the idea was that it was a call to action Mm. and how how that came to be was because i had a big problem to solve during remote learning my problem was i needed to be able to do storytelling and share that with my students and my families, but I didn't have a way to do it. I didn't have a sound studio, and I kept thinking, "Lavar Burton, Reading Rainbow, that's what I really need to be able to do, but how am I gonna possibly do that? And, and also, I was responsible for all the tech support at my school of 500. So it was like, how was I gonna balance those things and make sure that families got what they needed? Because stories are so important. And I, I did some research because that's what I was before I was a teacher. I was mm. a university researcher. So oh, cool. And I found this local company in Seattle that does exactly that. And I don't know if you're aware of them. They're called Novel Effect. Okay. If you've never heard of them, it's it's pretty never amazing. Have. It's a, oh, cool. a free app. Free app. They also have different level plans. But basically what it is, it's an adaptive technology where you do a read aloud. You have the book in front of you or an e-book that you're – You're reading, and it follows along and has a soundscape. It's got music and sound effects and character voices. And at the beginning of the pandemic, the entire thing was free, and it was wide open. And I thought, this is what I need. And I did 100 digital read-alouds using their app. Because I would do three a week and they would go out within our um, learning management um, system. And so they would only be shared through Seesaw or Google Classroom because we were very concerned about honoring the authors and the artists who made the books and not violating copyright. But they even had a way to do that at the Novel Effect app. They had a librarian who said, here's how you can do it. And I was like, all right, I'm all in. So in the spring, about six weeks before school ended, I wrote them just to say thank you. Because I'm a big fan of saying, you know, it's like you did this, and I want to reach out to you and say what a difference this made for me. And it turned out the person at the help desk that I'd written the thank you to happened to be the CEO of one of the CEOs of the company.
0: Oh, wow. Was,
1: was sitting there, and he, and, I, and he was appreciative of my thank you. And I was asking about what was next for Novel Effect because I'd heard they were going to do some things where students could do recording. And he says, Would you like to be the first school? And I'm like, six weeks left in the school year. Do I dare (laughs) say yes? But before I had a teacher, I said yes. And and I knew the reason I did that was um, I had this wonderful uh, teacher partner um, that I worked for for two years before I became the library STEM specialist. She's just a wizard. I mean, and she was doing this amazing project with her kids and she had remote remote first graders. Mm. So it was like, how could um, we combine what she was doing with them Uh, for science and all the different project-based learning and they happen to be studying the life cycle of the salmon so we got the idea that the the what novel effect asked us to do was to write an original ebook oh wow they wrote it they illustrated it and they voiced it working with a sound engineer the last six weeks of school wow first graders First graders. Were Don't tell me kids can't
0: do this stuff, you know?
1: Exactly. And their teacher, who's just amazing, Dorothy Stengel, I have to give a big shout out to her. She was so brave to try this out, and but she had seen what the read-alouds I'd done, and she loved the idea that the kids' own voices would be heard in the story. Yeah. And they were they were so proud. And it got published as an ebook, and then it, it trended nationally. Wow. And so it's, it's still on the app. So, I mean the thing that was different was the kids chose that we had just been studying about earth day and the Lorax and their idea was to speak for the salmon. And that's what really led to the children's film festival was the idea that kids could speak on behalf of these keynote species Mm. that are at risk. And so they were able to publish this book and, you know, they got recognitions for doing that from the community. And I thought to myself, that should really be what the children's film festival is about. It should be the students calling to action on behalf of the Salish coast ecosystem. Awesome. And I've been watching a lot of BBC, you know, nature shows where they had citizen scientists going out, especially if you've never seen um, the watches, spring watch, autumn watch, and winter watch. If you've never seen it, it's incredible. They send citizen scientists out with reporters And basically talk about things like how restorative or regenerative agriculture impacts an ecosystem. And they showcase these different um, uh, programs that try to help, you know, uh, the different uh, aspects of the ecosystem to improve. And so I I just thought, what if our citizen scientists did that? And so I went to our community partners and our teachers because um, Port Townsend is a place based education school district. We do a lot of project-based learning and it's already embedded. So we had this huge project already for salmon that had been going on for over 20 years where the kids would raise the salmon at school with a teacher and then release it at a local um, preserve. And we worked with the Jefferson Land Trust. And so when I reached out to them, they had wanted to expand. Hmm. And so each of the different grade levels picked a keynote species in order to um focus upon. So third grade chose birds and they wanted to do what we'd already done with the salmon, but let's look at what, what impact is, is happening locally on birds and how can we help them? So then it was like, how can we help and how can we give voice to, and fourth grade did forests. They wanted to look at healthy ecosystems and forests. Sure. And then fifth grade did the Salish Sea. But then we didn't have anything for our kinders. And, but we started thinking about, we, I went to my kindergarten teachers who are amazing lights out crew. And I said, what are you guys interested in? And they said, well, we always start science in the garden. So our primary music teacher, we have two amazing music teachers wrote an original song oh my on behalf of, of beneficial pollinators. And <laughs> they got to record it at a local sound studio. Wow. They mixed it all together. And then our fourth and fifth graders took footage of the kids dancing and singing in the garden on behalf of what you should do for beneficial pollinators. It was just magical. And so we sent it off to, we went and we did research to to say, if we're going to support things like pollinators, everything was research-based. But what we did was we went to the Xerxes Society and they had some things that said, "If you're going to bring back pollinators, here's what you need to do." And that was the basis of the song. Oh, cool! So we we sent it to them recently, and now they're going to feature it on their social media. It's so believe. great! I yeah, love so it. it's like it it's it just got to be this synergistic um, it had its life of its own. Sure. Yeah. Where it's like because it was the kids deciding what their call to action was and no two classes or grade levels did it the same way. There was such creativity and it was all based on what was important to the kids to give voice to.
0: The only, the thing I keep coming back to is I'm hearing you tell this story is the level of cognition for elementary kids at every level to put yourself, to give voice to, I love that you keep using that phrase to give voice to the salmon, to give voice to the sea, to give voice to like, there's a, when you have to, as a third grader, second grader, fifth grader think like, right. That is, I'm 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 just, I can't even imagine how many standards that hits. First of all, yes. like, is just like, like, forget about standards. We're just covering everything, yes. but just this, this idea of putting yourself in someone else's shoes, whether that someone else is, an eagle, a salmon, a forest, uh the the water. Like ah, I just that just gives me chills when I think about the impact of just that ability to do that with with the
1: kids. We we were very fortunate in Port Townsend we've always been doing these project based learning, but our community didn't really get other than little you know, peeks at it through seesaw or something that was sent out as a small video, but they really didn't know that these projects were year long Mm. and that they're embedded into all the things that the kids do. And like you say, the English language arts standards and the technology standards, you know, problem solving Uh, and then science alone. I mean, but the teachers were amazing. They really wanted to, because we were all back together we wanted to do something that had never been done before. There wasn't a single person I went to on the staff and I said, this is what I'm thinking. We'll start the lessons off in library STEM. And then, you you know, you will have my support and things like that. But it's like, this is something you're going to do as a class project. And no two classes did it the same, but it was incredible. And, the, the, I think one of the most defining moments was on the salmon project. If you see the video that's there, the students themselves, who were the last students to release salmon, were the ones who went as videographers. Oh, cool! So all all that time had passed. Right. So then I had the idea of why don't we have the students reflect on what they've learned, not only about the animal that they studied or featured and gave voice to but what did you learn about working together and what was the most challenging aspect or what was the most interesting part? And it was just that part. There's these two students, one who had not been previously to release the salmon and one who had gone, who was one of my first graders, who was now a fifth grader. And she's, I love what she said. She said, it was like little me was there and I got to relive it again and see why it was so important. And how engaged the students were. And, I mean, she was talking like a teacher. It was beautiful. She was oh, like, that's she so saw great. how the first and second graders were all in on habitat restoration. And when you hear the reflections that the first and second graders themselves have, I thought that was a nice um, way to put it together was to have the, the students, the youngest who had never been reflect on it, but then also have the students who served as the videographers and put all that incredible footage together in the most amazing rainstorm. I mean, they they went <laughs> and with all this equipment and people were like, "How can you send them with the iPads and the GoPros on their own?" And I'm like, "They know how to do this. This is their medium, and they are passionate about this." And I love they, it. They, they did an amazing job. Yeah, it's incredible. Rain soaked to the library, with <laughs> all the equipment, and they were just, you know, you, they had such ownership. of the project. And to me, that was what really made the difference was they got to tell their story in their own way. And I think that was one of of the big lessons about this was allowing the creativity where one class did a game show about what do you know about birds? Another did a very poignant one about habitat loss and how that's impacting birds. You know, it, it was just a phenomenal experience to watch all the different ways kids were going to share their thinking. I had a, a fifth grader who loved doing stop motion. Who's like, I'm going to show people why they should do pollinator strips. Oh, and cool. she had the best time making it and putting it together and use these stickers and move them all around <laughs> and, and put green screen them. I would have never thought of that. I mean, yeah. like she had a vision, but it was like, mainly it was like, how do I support the student's vision so that they can be successful with their creativity and their call to action. Yeah. That was really my role was to be their guide and to help them when they got stuck, but really ask them, how do you want it to be? And, and what, what do you want the result to be? And it, it was incredible.
0: Yeah. And again, um, most of all of these videos and stuff are public. We will make sure that the show notes uh, in the show notes, you will find links to the website where you can watch the videos. You can have your students watch the videos this year that again, I just love, you know, when we share publicly where this goes, I want to break this down just a little bit because it is a massive, huge project and undertaking. And one of the things you mentioned was the support of community partners and we talk about this a lot, right? Getting the community involved. And it sounds like you already had a lot of those connections set up with the school. But can you talk about maybe like, did you were you able to go out and get new partners? Uh, what, yes. How did those partners support you? What did that look like from the teacher side of trying to just get community support behind a, a massive project like this?
1: Well, really, um, I think the center of it was we had two layers of support. One was from the community for local grants. And they got the word out. We have the American Association of University Women. And and I said, what about GoPros? And they're like, let's do it. I mean, they just were like, they didn't even hesitate. And then we had a local organization that does support Townsend Educational Foundation. And they were supportive from the beginning. They had given us this equipment and then we shut down and they allowed us to use it for remote learning. Oh, wow. Great. And so, I mean, it really saved us because we needed more equipment and you couldn't order an iPad in the world at that right. point. And so because we had written this grant and had it ahead of time, our kindergartners had a much better experience with remote learning than they would have otherwise. So there was huh. that layer, but then they all talked to the community partners that we have. And one of the primary ones was Jefferson um, County Land Trust, the Jefferson Land Trust. And what they do, their organization is to set aside... Um, land in perpetuity that is to support habitat restoration. So what's good for the farms is also good for the forests, And that's their mission. And they have a a full-time biologist, Carrie Clendaniel, who I worked with. And so she was like, we've done this with salmon. And she was the person who worked with the other organizations, like the Salmon Coalition locally. And so that brought, it was like the hub of the wheel. And so- that one organization because they have all these other connections,
0: right? They've got the community. ties, yeah,
1: right. And they also have the way to use social media, so they featured it, they sent it out in their newsletters, and they said, mm-hmm. Look at what these kids have done. And they featured Salmon School, the story that the ebook first, and then the second one they did was how this new project that was based on this long standing. Um, salmon restoration project how they were doing the same thing with bird habitat restoration and and long-term studies of birds and just building it up to forests in the sea and it was just like an amazing connection we also had our own um, community volunteers who worked in our garden parents and community members who like our garden curriculum and so they got all in because we had our our pollinators. So it just was like bringing people together that were already there in place, but sent, asking those what if questions, like what if we wanted to showcase all of these projects at once? And at first it was the idea we were going to have it when we wrote the original grant, it was going to be in person and it was going to be small scale, you know, kids would yeah. show their stop, stop right. motion yeah. animation to their parents and we would have a great time and then yeah. it would be over. But I had to rethink, how are we going to share this? So we had to make sure that every single person who appeared in the video, we had permission from their right. families. Um, same thing for interviewing kids to do reflection. Yeah. Same thing for our, our community partners. When they went out with scientists to, to do those kind of things, whether it was a still or a video image, we had to make sure that it, it maintained all those privacy requirements that we yeah. have.
0: And how and were the was, parents on that? Because parents, I find a lot of times we, that's like one of the, one of the biggest obstacles we find is just like, oh, I got to go get parent permission. But I also know that if you can put this out in front of parents and be like, we are creating this amazing stuff. Your child is going to be featured on a video talking about salmon.
1: Yeah. I, Did you find I, it I, easier
0: to get permission?
1: Well, what I did was I made sure that I knew who I had permission. So I had the entire database for the, and I had access to that. Okay. And when I saw footage and I didn't want to tell people when you go out on the field trip, right, you can take a picture of this person, but not that I, right. I didn't want, I wanted it to be organic that. and yeah. natural and creative. So when the footage came back and we looked at what the students wanted to use, right. Because there was a tremendous amount Yeah, But it was like, we, I said, okay, then we need to vet this and make sure. So that was my job was to go through. And if we had someone that was in there, that was this magic moment, what I would do is I would call their families Hmm. and I would say, this is who I am and they know me well. And I said, this is what we're thinking of doing. And they knew that I would send out with our uh, administration team and our secretaries, we would do a monthly newsletter that would feature things in the library and I would always make some kind of little movie and people enjoyed them. And they're like, Oh, if it's for library, that's fine. You can absolutely do it. And (laughs) you know, so I kind of had, had that ability to say, this is something we'd like to do, but there were also families who chose, this is not what we want to do. And there are very good reasons why some students needed to remain private, right? Absolutely. but our kids got really good at being videographers and shooting from a distance or from behind, or yeah. we, we, we talked about how can we make this happen so that everybody feels a part of it, but no. yeah,
0: even if their face can't be there, it doesn't mean you can't see the back of their head or them bent over a stream, taking a sample. Like there's a million different ways to do it yeah. without having a child's face in it. Right. And I love that you're right. having those conversations with kids. There are reasons yes. out there. We need to think about this as a videographer. These are things you think about. You need to be thinking about right. this while you're out there as well. I love that. Well, and
1: the, the other thing was um, I also told them, I said, you know, let's talk about because in the middle of all of this, we went to masks were optional for all schools. Right. And so some people chose to mask and other people didn't. And I said, It it doesn't matter if we're taking the videography mask or not, let's just do this. And you'll see in the student reflection, some students chose to be masked when they were interviewed. Others chose not to be. Hmm. And we wanted to make sure it was whatever they were comfortable with and whatever their family had asked them to do. We wanted to honor that, whatever the choice was And. Um, you'll, there's one, the kids were funny cause I, I, I like being behind the camera, but not so much in front, but there's this one little snippet where you get to see me where they're using GoPros and I'm wearing a mask and half of them aren't and half of them are. And it's like, yeah. we're just having the best time. It's irrelevant. It's right. Like, exactly. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a, something that happened at this particular time in this moment. And it's just a part of our yeah. experience.
0: Yeah. And we're so focused on telling the story and we're so passionate about the project. We don't care. <laughs> like It's not that big of a deal. We're just, we're, we're, we're telling our story, uh,
2: whatever the circumstances might be. I love that. Hey folks, just a quick word from our show sponsor. We're excited to welcome Libsyn as a sponsor of the Shifting Our Schools podcast. We talk a lot about the power of podcasting and the different ways you can use podcasts with students, with colleagues, and with your larger school community. The biggest hurdle to overcome is finding a place to host your MP3 file, a.k.a. your podcast file. That's why we're excited to have Libsyn be a sponsor of the podcast. Our podcast has been on Libsyn for four years, and we love it. Libsyn has everything you need to plan, launch, and grow your own podcast. Libsyn provides some of the best resources created by expert podcasters, who will show you everything you need to know, like what equipment you should use, how to record great audio, how to get your show onto Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other popular platforms, and much more. Plus, as a friend of Shifting Our Schools, when you sign up with Libsyn, you get your first month of podcast hosting for free. Summer is a great time to start dabbling with new technologies, and if you are thinking of starting a podcast this school year, you can now get started for free. There has never been a better time than right now for you to start podcasting. Visit Libsyn.com and use the code FRIEND, that's F-R-I-E-N-D, that's Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com and use the code FRIEND, F-R-I-E-N-D, to get started and create your podcast today. For more details, please see the show notes. Thank you Libsyn for being a sponsor of this episode and now back to the show. For you personally, what was maybe
0: your biggest learning or, or takeaway from this project? Uh, And this, you did this in your last year, you're retiring. I just can't imagine what kind of a project, congratulations, by the way, but what an amazing project to go out on. Um, But what was your, like, what's your biggest takeaway, your biggest reflection from this?
1: Well, my biggest reflection was um, just the power of students to, be storytellers. Mm. I mean, there were many moments where it would have been easier for me as the adult to say, well, why don't you do this? Instead of I asking the question, it's like, how would you like it to be? Mm. It's a different question than why don't you do this?
0: Oh, I love that.
1: And so it was like, how do you envision it? How do you want it to be? And they would say, well, we feel like our sound levels aren't, aren't good here. And I said, well, let's try a directional microphone or, you know, it's, so it's yeah. like whatever it was that they wanted to do and being flexible regarding that and, and deadlines and things like that. So making a deadline, but realizing that, you know, you might need more time. I, I actually have spent a good chunk of the summer working on a, a second ebook that's being published. Um, the students who were in the class did an amazing bird poetry book, So it's illustrations, scientific facts, and a poem about birds um, from all around the world. And their call to action is poetry. But uh, some of our students weren't able to be there at the end. And and it was like, they actually finished the recordings after the school year and sent it to me. So now we're all working together to put it that way. It, It would have been tragic if we didn't finish that book just because the school year ended. Right. So uh, for me, it's like I wanted to create something and build it from the ground up. And that was an amazing um privilege. I really feel like my students are artists and I got to frame their art. Oh, so I love that. Building the web page, it was really about let's take their art. Like they took so many amazing stills. I was like, we couldn't use all of them for the video. Yeah. But then I thought, well, what if we did rolling galleries? Because mm. I was very well-versed in Google sites. I got to pilot them in my former district in the, the San Francisco Bay Area. And I thought, what if we, ha- we featured their art? And then the kids did all these amazing art projects, too. And so we went around and took pictures of the kids' art that was on the walls. And some of them are being featured. Like the Jefferson um, Land Trust is going to use some of the art to wrap chocolate. They have permission oh, from the cool. artists. Wow. So they asked. They asked the kids permission and they're gonna use the prints of the art to wrap chocolate as a fundraiser. Awesome. To preserve more habitat on behalf of the species that they called to action. So the kids were like, I, I went to them and I said, Well, do you, they they have your permission? They have to ask because it's your yeah. work. And they're like they're like, Of course, you know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They, they were unanimous that that's this great. Something they wanted to do. So to me, it was just the idea, a call to action can be many things. Mm. It could be it could be kindness, it could be social justice, it could be environmentalism, it could be all of the above. Yeah. Because I really felt like this project brought out, it it brought out the very best in our students, their ability to take their curiosity and collaborate together and build something and no one has ever done this that I'm aware of. I mean, there's yeah. been children's film festivals, but not one that was school wide that I'm aware of and mm. where every grade level, including our kindergartners yeah. got to participate. And to yeah. me, that was a beautiful project. What I wanted to do because it wasn't really planned my retirement. It was a function of my health. And so yeah. I needed to, to pause, but what I've done is I put together a shared drive for the next person. Cool. Will be, the the keeper of the flame, yeah. and uh, I've also because I'm here locally, um, let my superintendent know I'm more than happy as requested to mentor the new person. You
0: know? I love and that.
1: And again, I think I would ask that question like I asked the kids: it's like, how would you like it to be?
0: Yeah, how would you like it to be? I love that. What do you think was the biggest impact on students?
1: I think their sense of ownership.
0: Mm, because, I love that. Um,
1: they learned how to do it in library, and there's teachers were so busy with all the responsibilities that they had that really they had to be able to do this independently. So when they went out on the adventurous tall ship, you know, uh, the schooner adventurous, and they were exploring uh, the Salish sea, all that footage you saw was taken by students. Wow! Like 95% of what you see on that website, all the pictures were taken by students. There was one they told me to keep, and that was uh, the one on pollinators because it's my garden. And I used it to show them the potential
2: <laughs> right. of
1: a call to action on behalf of pollinators. But I also used it with the granting agencies. Mm. Um, so they saw that if you can show people through video, through digital storytelling, that what it is that's important, you can reach a wider audience, which mm. they already understood. It right. was getting the, the grown-ups to understand right. that <laughs> as well. And and our faculty is so open to using technology, especially, uh, you know, they've all become experts because of what we need to yeah. do for remote. MP yeah, and we're in learning. a new
0: place. I love it.
1: It is. But it's like they saw the potential. And when I said, can I send fifth graders or fourth graders with you on a field trip to be videographers? They're like, of course. Yeah. You know, and, and there was no hesitation. And it was like, oh, well, we're going to send GoPros out on the adventurous or we're going to we're going to do this. And they're like, absolutely. And the kids did an amazing job and took great care with everything that they did. And they were so thoughtful about it. And I think the big thing for me was their ability to reflect on their own practice. Yeah. And, and what it is that they wanted to accomplish. And if, you know, what were the challenges that they faced and they overcame and just they, I, I, two of my students came and asked me to write a letter of recommendation because they're applying for associated student body because they're moving on from fifth grade to middle school. And they said, may we take this as part of our portfolio? Oh, wow. So the idea that a fifth grader would be yeah. thinking, I want to be on a so- associated, uh, student body member as a yeah. sixth grader but let me show you what i can do
0: that's right let me show you and the cool work i could do with a video camera that's look at right. the stories and i can tell
1: <laughs> that's right and they're all, they're all like well are you going to get gopros for the other schools and so it's like one of the things i've talked about with our superintendent who's very supportive of this proct- project project um, is uh i spoke with dr linda rosemary and i said you know what's next for this and that's what yeah. we're trying to figure out is like right. we have so many of these projects that could be featured in this way yeah it was it was a privilege to be able to frame their art and i hope that that's something that other people will hear about and want to do the same for their students whether it's on a small scale or a large yeah. scale um we started small but i mean it just was one of those things where the students really all wanted to participate and no two grade levels did it the same. Some classes, it was a whole class. Every single person had a part in writing a script or editing or doing sound engineering. Another class, it might be a group of interested students who wanted to do it, who were basing it on another project that they, we had students who made my, one of my favorite ones was third graders made a flyer, with a QR code embedded that had their video call to action. I and love they, it. They took it throughout the community and beyond to be able to put it up in store windows to talk about the impacts of plastics oh, and so pollution good. on birds. And I mean, these are like nine and 10 year olds walking yeah. into shops and saying, may I please put this up? And this is why. <laughs> That's great. And they did it on their own. I mean, their You're teacher right. got everything printed, but they agreed that they would each, they made a map and they decided yep. what areas they were going to go to. And and so I'm all, sure parents
0: are involved because parents are having yes. to drive them to the store. and
1: Exactly. Uh, love and it was, what a fantastic, um, you know, Connection. Circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I never thought when I went to this conference that I would be asked to build this program. I, it happened that that same weekend. They're like, Denise, would you do this? And I'm like, absolutely. Awesome. but the, But where it went because of uh, circumstances and technology and community support, I could have never imagined what the kids thought of and how they envisioned it and how they shared it with their community. And I just couldn't be prouder.
0: Yeah. It, it it's an amazing website. I can't talk enough about it. Like you sent it to me, and uh, I sent it over to Trisha, and uh, I just I was like, you need to look at this. Like this thing is incredible. We've got to get Denise on to talk about this. This is an unbelievable student led project. You can tell like it's just it, there's so much ownership. In everything about it, um, you know, it, it's it's so incredible. I can't wait for others, and I'm I'm excited to have you on just to for to share it, to share it wider, and have other educators see it and and be able to use it with their students and, and learn from it as well. So, thank you.
1: I'm very happy to share any aspects, and see the gift for me was that you shared your drive about visual literacy and all the references and extra materials to read. So that gave me a place to start. So did Todd Burleson, amazing librarian from Chicago who did something similar because I had a place to start from. I just feel like this is not something I should keep. Mm. It should be given away. Yeah. You know, the kids art should be shared with the world and we're just sending it out. And every time we send it to a new community partner, it's like, you know, the Xerxes society was like, Oh my goodness we now have a pollinator song to put on our you know our twitter and our and they're like do we have permission to share this and we do we made sure that everything that we posted there and then the other thing was how could it stay there in perpetuity when another person moves on?
0: Right. Yeah. That becomes the issue, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yes. But we can think through
0: that stuff, right? That's the adult stuff. We can think through that stuff. There's a million ways to do it. You just have to think through it, but we can keep it there regardless of teachers coming and going. The district decides to change the website. Like we can work that part out. That literally is the easiest part of the entire (laughs) program. It's something you have to think about, but it, it, you know, that that's a logistical technology thing that, that we can do for sure.
1: Well, that's a, I just wanted to be able to share it with people. And if they, just the way you shared and, and Mr. Burleson shared, it's just like, to be able to say here, here's how we did it. And and I often make a joke that I learned how not to do it yeah, by course. doing it the first time. <laughs> so I, I had a huge learning curve, but it was beautiful. And when we put the webpage together, that's what I tried to remember was to keep it simple yeah. and let let the pictures the images and then the narration we talked about that with the students and they were like this is why we do all these lessons together this way and they saw what i had been doing and then they took it their own direction about how they were going to get and i think their favorite moment too is that they were going to get to tell the grown-ups that they needed to do better
0: yeah <laughs> of
1: course yeah so you need to do better this like,
0: isn't up to our par your audio's off uh yes. you didn't do very good you, you got to need to learn how to run a gopro there <laughs>
1: Exactly. And so they're, they're pretty excited to partner with next year scientists and and show them, you know, what they know how to do. And, you know, working with two different platforms, we had the stop, pardon me, the stop motion pro app, that was incredible. And that made movie making accessible to all grade levels. And then we had the Wii video. Uh, online editor, which was yeah. amazing because they have a new feature where you can you you can collaborate. So you can put a group of students in together like in Google Classroom to be able to collaborate on a document. Yeah, And when you're
0: working from home or working remotely, guess what, folks? This is how work gets done today. This is how real videos get edited, collaboratively, at home, everybody working on the same video. I mean, just that part of the technology skills of understanding that, hey, this is the way work gets done. We don't all have to be sitting next to each other. It's great if you are. It's great to have those conversations. But if something happens, you can still get it done, right? I love that.
1: Yeah. I, one of the students reflected on that. She needed to be home for a time and she finished up working on the video on the adventurous. And she talks about that, that yeah. she needed to be, be out, but how she and her partner were able to continue working on it because it was a collaborative platform. And, you know, she was very proud of herself for being able to pull that off in the yeah. time frame, and just determination and, and also wanting to tell a beautiful story. And yeah. I think, I think if I could leave you with one thing, it was what I learned from LeVar Burton who kind of was for me, it was like, if I was going to do digital storytelling, that was that the, the something to aspire to. Mm. Um, and it was, he has this quote that we put in the introduction, which is the purpose of storytelling is to connect us together. Mm. I love that. And we, we couldn't think of a better way to bring the students back together Than to do this, it really galvanized them and they got to do things that they had never done before. Yeah. Or they got to see younger students who'd never, you know, released the salmon to do that, even though there had been this pause. Everything came came back to be able to do amazing work. But I I think the best part is to share and that other people can do the same type of things with their students because they are ready to tell their The stories. They're they're ready to share their voice. And we just have to give them the space and the tools to do that.
0: And ask them, how would you like it to be? That's my favorite question. My favorite question. It's going to be the title of the show. How would you like it to be? (laughs) If every educator just asked students, how would you like it to be? How, how do we open minds and give ownership? Uh, Denise, thank you so much for spending some time with us and telling your story and motivating us as we are preparing for another school year. I mean, if you're not motivated after hearing this and going over and watching these videos and looking at these images uh, and just being excited to be an educator, uh, then then you need to do some some internal reflection. This is this is such a great way to, to start the year and be thinking about. Denise, if people want to reach out to you um, to learn more, uh, to follow you where, where's the best places for them to do that?
1: Well, this is pretty hysterical because as a library STEM specialist, I should have every social media (laughs) available, but really I, I do everything, um, for school. I don't really have an online presence other than, um, Gmail, but I am happy to, I'm very good with that and respond to people. And, um, like I, I made sure that I transferred everything that I had in my drive, um, from school to home so that I now have, um, the lessons that I wrote and put together. And then we made sure that the the website and all the children's videos would live in perpetuity on the school website. So we can, I'm happy to share and, and, um, share drives or whatever people would like to do, but perhaps I will have to consider a Twitter account or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Um, well, if, if you're comfortable with it, we'll, we can put your, uh, email account in the show notes, but we'll put it where you won't get spam, like we'll put the little app brackets around it. So spammers don't start uh, sending you a ton of spam if you're, if you're comfortable with that, but we can talk about that after the show and people go off to check out the show notes. We'll find a way for people to reach out and contact you uh, in a safe way for all. So we will make that happen, but
1: happy to share.
0: Well, thank you so much. Uh, again, happy retirement. Um, enjoy it. Uh, You're in a beautiful part of the country and Port Townsend. For those of you that don't know where Port Townsend is, uh, if you go to the state of Washington, go all the way out. And the peninsula out there is a beautiful little town called Port Townsend. I love it out there. Uh, It's where us from Seattle go to vacation. (laughs) That's where Port Townsend is. So uh, it's a great, great place out there. Beautiful place.
1: It's a beautiful place, and I look forward to continuing to work with our community partners in retirement to help them to do some of the video projects and things that they want to do. Um, and also to be there for students who are interested in, in continuing this good
0: work. Yeah, I have, I have uh, no hesitations to thinking that you're not you're not just going to uh, go away anytime soon. You're going to be around this. I can tell you are very passionate, and it's, it's great to have you. Denise, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and sharing your project.
1: Thank you for your time and your expertise. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Shifting Our Schools. If you found this episode helpful or inspiring, please make sure to subscribe and leave the team a five-star rating. If you want to learn more about the Shifting Schools team or download our free resources, head over to shiftingschools.com to see what's on offer now. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode to keep rethinking the shifts our schools need.